Until the end of January, all shoes and boots are buy one, get one half off at all Lover's Lane locations and at loverslane.com. Hello, and welcome to the Intimacy Advisor Podcast. I am your host, Sarah TomTom, and today we are going to talk about love languages. The very first episode of this podcast was dedicated to this topic, and you all loved that episode, so why am I revisiting it? Well, if you haven't listened to it yet, I definitely encourage you to go back and give it a listen because there's a lot of really good information in there and a link to the quiz that you can take. Uh, But I'm revisiting the topic, one, because there is a lot more to say about it. There's been a, a new book that's come out on the topic, and I think it's just a really great seasonal concept to be thinking about. We are approaching... Valentine's Day. And I, for one, really love this time of year. I know it's a manufactured holiday. I know that there is a lot of pressure to pull out all the stops. And I also know that if you're single, sometimes it can feel like a real drag. But I think if you can reclaim Valentine's Day as a time to be intentional and thoughtful about the love that you have in your life, the love and how you show love to yourself, how you show it to your partners, how you show it to your family, how you receive it and ask for it. It can be such a beautiful, uh, intentional time to just invest some energy into this aspect of our lives. And that's why I particularly like Valentine's Day because it it is a holiday that is entirely about love and giving love and being loved. And I think that that's really beautiful. In that spirit, I thought it would be nice to visit the love languages, especially because there was recently a reimagining or an expansion of the love languages. A new book came out last year by my colleague and friend, Anne Hottership, titled Speaking from the Heart. And it is a modern take on the love languages, and it really expands them. Not only are there 18 love languages versus five that are explored in her book, it also includes platonic love, in addition to romantic love, friendships have a place in the books. So I highly recommend it because I think it addresses a lot of the issues that are somewhat limiting around the original concept around the love languages, which if you haven't heard of the love languages or if you've heard about it but don't really know what they are about... Gary Chapman developed a theory that love is expressed in uh, different ways. And he talks about five specific ways that we give and like to receive love. And those are words of affirmation, time, like spending quality time with your loved one, 
giving gifts, touch, so physical bodily contact, and acts of service. And I have to say, when I found the love languages, I learned a lot about myself. I found it really fascinating to think about, you know, how do I like to give love versus how do I like to receive love? For me, I definitely discovered that there, um, I give love in a lot of the ways that I want to receive it. And I think that that's true for a lot of people. And there is actually just a quiz that you can take and it asks you a whole series of questions in terms of what really lands most strongly with you, like the way that you're able to hear, uh, see, and experience love. And so thank you, Gary Chapman, for all of this wonderful stuff that you brought into the world. I'm a big fan of the concept in general. Unfortunately, Gary Chapman wrote about and theorized about love exclusively in terms of one type of relationship, and that is a monogamous heterosexual marriage. Not only is that incredibly limiting, Uh, Because obviously we have many different types of love relationships in our lives. It's also problematic because it plays into this narrative that we can only fulfill our desires within sort of a nuclear family heterosexual context. And I think that a lot of us are discovering that that doesn't necessarily work for us. Even for those of us who do find ourselves in those style of relationships, that approaching uh, how we love, who we love, how we experience our sexuality in a more expansive way tends to be more affirming and empowering. So if you're new to love languages, I, I definitely recommend starting with Anne's book, Speaking from the Heart rather than necessarily the original Love Languages book, because I do think you're going to potentially hit some roadblocks in there. Or at least I should say that was my experience. I found that revisiting the Love Languages in this more expansive lens after having used the Love Languages and been working with them for some time deepened my understanding of myself and also my partner as well as other people in my life. And that's what I think is so cool about exploring the language, the ways in which you express your love, because it does help you to better understand the dynamics in your relationship and take more charge of them. And in thinking about love languages in terms of your relationships, whether that's, you know, a primary romantic relationship or friendships, you know, you can be asking yourself the question of how, what are things that you do to show love to the people in your life? And then put the mirror back on yourself. Is that also how you want to receive love? And with the people in your life, how do they show love to you? And is that how they want to receive love? I think that there tends to be a pretty good correlation between the two. 
However, sometimes we really show love in one particular way and our partner receives love in a different way or our friend or our child or our parent, whatever. And there's a disconnect that happens there because you feel like you're expressing your love for your this important person in your life and maybe it's not landing. And so part of the job too of being in relationship with those people that we're really close to is getting to know how they speak their love language. Exploring love languages can be a great way to get on the same page with your partner and open up a dialogue, get in conversation about it so that you're better able to balance each other's needs and also hopefully get to a place where you can even anticipate each other's needs occasionally. Now, of course, this is only to a certain extent because I am not suggesting that we should ever expect somebody to quote unquote, just know what we need. However, when you are close to someone and you can anticipate their needs, it can really deepen the connection. And I think of it like a process of attunement, becoming more attuned to your own needs and asking for them clearly, but also tapping into the love that surrounds you, even when it takes a form that's maybe different than your ideal form. In my relationship, I have a partner who is so happy to have downtime, TV time, and for her, that totally fills her cup. Like she gets to be with me, we chill, she's into it. For me, if that's the only time that I'm experiencing with somebody, like most of our time goes to just kind of chilling out or going through the day-to-day motions of life, I get restless. You know, I need a date night. So the way that I've learned to balance this is that I try to be more open and receptive to that chill downtime as a loving time, like just being intentional about this is loving time. This is time that we get to be relaxed together. It doesn't have to be extra all the time. But I also make sure that we're not just going straight from work into, you know, jammies and sitting in front of the TV. Like we take baths together. We have nice dinners together, even if it's at home. And I make sure that we cuddle or watch TV naked, things like that, so that I'm also getting my cup filled. And I'm intentional about asking for date nights and saying, okay, when is it going on the calendar? And it's a non-negotiable, you know? So in terms of that approach, what I found is that it doesn't require that we have more time together for me to feel like I'm getting my quality time quota filled. Something to keep in mind is that we are often attracted to people with different interests needs or love languages than we have. It's very common. Um, And it can present in a a couple different ways. You know, it, it often requires us to stretch a bit, to do a little work, to give to our partner in the ways that are most meaningful to them. Another personal example 
that comes to mind is that my girlfriend is someone who really responds to positive reinforcement, words of affirmation, loving language. And it's not necessarily something that comes very naturally to me, but I have experienced the positive impact it has on her when she receives positive reinforcement from anyone at work, in her friendships, and certainly from me. It's like she just blossoms. And so I put in that extra work to be intentional. And sometimes it's as simple as just sending a reinforcing, positive, or loving text message. But just stretching a little bit beyond maybe what your natural love language is can have a really powerful impact for your people. Now, I think it's also important though, on the other side of things to recognize that there are going to be needs that you are either just not best suited to fill for your partner, or you don't have the capacity to give to them. So how do you avoid those interests or needs that sort of naturally have to exist or get filled outside of the relationship? Like how do you work to make sure that those don't become resentments on either side of the relationship? First, acknowledging and having space to recognize that those needs are valid and that they serve a purpose for your partner or perhaps even for yourself. You know, maybe it's hard for you to recognize that you have needs that exist outside of the relationship. And I say this as someone who struggles with codependency and I understand it can sometimes feel scary to give the space to our partners to fill their needs elsewhere. So it's okay to ask for there to be some boundaries around how those needs are filled or to also have your needs address whatever they may be around that need that your partner has. Oftentimes it is easier to accomplish that balance if somebody doesn't feel like they have to fight for that need being met. So if there is anything in your relationship that you tend to nag on your partner about, you're probably going to find that they're not going to be as willing to give up some of that thing or meet you in the middle on it because they're not feeling seen around the hole that it fills for them or the need that they have around it. And I also, you know, sometimes you might have judgment around their need, right? Like we are all imperfect beings and that's another aspect of relationships that's really important is that we have to have the space to be a little messy on both sides of it. Identifying your hangup and then figuring out what part of that, like how to what degree you can work through that. I think really is the first step before going to your partner and saying, hey, can we try to find a balance with this thing? These are my concerns around it. And also having that space is to to recognize where the need is coming from for them. 
because then you're not going to have as much pushback and you're going to be able to find a middle ground around this exploration that exists outside of your relationship and giving space. Again, I'm going to keep using this word expansive. When you can have an expansive approach, the connections in your life are going to deepen. And you may even find that it gives you permission to explore things that you need in your relationship with yourself, in your relationship with your friends, in your work life, in your, you know, picking up a new hobby or whatever the case may be. It is about recognizing and understanding the needs of your partner and your own needs and finding the spaces where you're both able to explore those separately and together. I love thinking about love languages in a really expansive way because it gives us so many different avenues for expressing, giving and receiving love. And I don't love that so much of mainstream messaging is around like sex should be the top priority and intimate relationships. And that's, that's just not realistic for the whole span of our lives and our relationships, right? Like you're going to go in and out of periods of being really sexual, uh, individually in your relationships, you know, some relationships might be really heavily focused on sex, whereas others are not. And neither of those relationships is better than the other. However, I do think that there are a lot of really fun ways to bring sexuality into the love language conversation and exploration because there's so many unique ways to express your sexuality with your partner. You know, like if you're someone who really finds that having new experiences totally lights you up, uh, keeps you engaged and keeps you interested, then I think it's important to be intentional about creating new experiences in the bedroom as well, whether that is trying, introducing a new toy taking a class together, exploring kink, trying dirty talk. There's so many ways to express your sexuality and your sexual desire for your partner. And so you can tap into this love language really easily through sexual exploration. Similarly, if acts of service are something that uh, really do it for you, then kinky rituals can be a really sexy way to tap into that love language. So things like cleaning the house naked, serving your partner coffee in lingerie, uh, cleaning their boots for them while they have no clothes on and you have no clothes on. These kinds of things can be really fun, creative ways to give acts of service and make them really sexy. You can include games into the the mix. I think that there's a game called Bondage Seductions that has lots of different 
scenarios that involve some form of bondage or rope or tying a partner up. And if that's something that your partner really likes to do, then your act of service can be to perform any of the acts that are on the cards for them. So you can really get fun and creative and thinking in new ways about how you incorporate your love language knowledge into your sex and play or your date nights. Another thing I really love is the yes, no, maybe list. I'm sure a lot of you have heard about this, but you know, say active listening is one of the love languages that you're interested in investing more energy into in your relationship. The yes, no, maybe list can be a really fun activity where you can search yes, no, maybe list online, find one that has, that's the most diverse for your needs. The yes, no, maybe list has a number of different sex acts and activities listed on it. And you separately fill out your columns. Yes. Meaning these are things that I'm super interested in. Maybe are the things that you're curious about, but perhaps there have to be certain circumstances in which you want to explore them. And then your no list are the things that are the hard no's. The fun part of this is finding out all of the things that are on your yes lists that overlap and you will discover new things about your partner. They might discover new things about themselves in the process. And then also kind of figuring out like what, what are the maybes that feel fun for the two of you to explore. Doing this together can tap into some really sexy communication. And also this is where the active listening can come in because you can then follow through on the things that you learned that your partner is interested in. And then it's a really sexy way to do that, certainly. And it also makes them feel heard and seen and, you know, like you're invested in giving them these things that they want. And then of course, when it comes for anyone who likes gifts, I, you know, toys are a fantastic way to tap into this love language, you know, going shopping and thinking about, oh, what are the things that my, my partner would really like? Um, and picking a range of things and not being attached to them necessarily, uh, liking them all or just taking them shopping and treating them to anything that they want. This can be a really fun date night and activity to do together. And it leads us into next episode, which will be all about toys and gifting for the upcoming Valentine's Day holiday. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to find us on social media, we are Intimacy Advisor Pod on Instagram. And you can send in any questions, topics you'd like to cover to me directly at sarah at sarahtomtom.com. And thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. Valentine's Day is quickly approaching. Make sure to check out loverslane.com and sexdrive.com 
for all of your intimate gifting needs. More